Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Paul O'Donnell. Pew, pew, pew. And I'm your co-host, Connor Limbaugh. And this is Opinion <laughs> Central. <laughs> So starting off, yes, I would like to talk about something else. I, I actually, I want to start this off talking about my English class. Okay. So our topic for this class is forbidden knowledge. Mm -hmm. And it's it's pretty much talking about, so, so one of the books we read was Paradise Lost, which is a retelling of Genesis. And it talks about the tree of knowledge, the fruit of knowledge, and how... Um, Certain paths of of temptation can you, lead you to doing something that's evil or something that mm -hmm. is satanical. Um, and we we look at this because it's definitely a human flaw: greed, uh, lust, gluttony. All all of these sins kind of dwell around this want of knowledge. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of ironic in a way because generally knowledge is thought of as a good thing, but we're looking at it in terms of how it can lead to destruction, like how the temptation can lead to bad things. And mm -hmm. so, for a really uh, prominent book, which I think can spring brought us into our next our our discussion today, or the main theme of today, would be Frankenstein. The novel. Have you oh, read this book? I, I love Frankenstein. It's one of my. It's actually one of my favorite books I've read. Really? I, I love That's it. That's cool. What yeah. What about it? Do you like? I just really liked the dynamic between uh, Frankenstein and the creature. I thought it was. Oh. I thought they just have a really interesting dynamic of, with Frankenstein hating what he did when he initially was. Mm -hmm. He really wanted to do something with his knowledge, and he did it. And after he did, he realized this was a big mistake. And then the creature mm -hmm. having to deal with, I'm this abomination, and it's his fault. Mm -hmm. I, I thought the book was written really well. Yeah. And it's it's very tragic. It's very melodramatic mm -hmm. and miserable at times just because of the self-pity that keeps on striking you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a big a big quality of this would be like that self realization um, of oh I did something terrible yeah yeah I cr I created something that's conscious and it is unable to find a niche in the world mm -hmm. so so the only the only, the essence of its entire existence is torture yeah. And just the relationship between those two, um, it's often thought of, well, actually the title of Frankenstein is Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus, which Prometheus was, uh, I think he was a titan, perhaps. Mm -hmm. It's part of Greek mythology where um, the gods had dominion over man. And then Prometheus, well... I guess it was just the gods had dominion over the entire earth. Prometheus comes along, and there are two versions. One is that he creative, created man out of clay. Mm -hmm. And then further along, down the, the path, he uh, gifted them fire, which was something that only the gods had the power of. They, only, they had the knowledge of fire. And then okay. Prometheus portrayed the gods by giving man fire. Interesting. Which then Prometheus was, uh, much like Frankenstein, was tortured for the rest of his life. Okay. Because, because he... Uh, kind of betrayed yeah, he, all the other gods. He betrayed the gods and he just created something of such a powerful magnitude that like, the repercussions are not something... Like Zeus could not even handle what humans would do. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I'm I'm interpreting it right now. Yeah. Um. And and Frankenstein's really about that. Um. 
there is a quote from Frankenstein that is very, very iconic. Goodness gracious. I have the book right in front of me, and I'm trying wow. to find it. Look at that. How convenient. <laughs> it, it's, it's whenever... Ah, I found it. Um, the creature who is elegant with speech. It is, it is very clear with the writing that the creature is smarter than Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Despite having a limited education, it takes him two months to learn English from having, or not English, he learns French from practically nothing. Well, yeah. he came from knowing he, he nothing. He didn't know anything at all, yeah. And then he peeked, he, he like spied on some yeah, guy. He, he wasn't even learning his it. wife. Yeah. It was like secondhand learning. Yeah, spying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, I remember he, he, he got frustrated because he's like, I'm learning faster than this woman. <laughs> Why can't she yeah. just learn? So, and then he finds books. He, like, he finds Paradise Lost and reads it, and he, he identifies with the characters in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the... So, Frankenstein comes along, and he is confronted by his creature, and it's this really epic scene. They're on top of a mountain... Um, they're in Geneva, I believe. I think and so. it's a very, uh, it's a romantic atmosphere. And I, I mean that romantic as in the romantic era, there's such an emphasis on nature and its power and it, how it has the ability to change things and, uh, really impact your life, influence how you feel, um, and touch your emotions. Yeah. Uh, romantics are all about your feelings. And so... Frankenstein is confronted by his creature who is hum- like super powerful. Like it's described that the creature is running at him at this ridiculous speed and even whenever he leaves um he scales down he the scales mountain down the faster. Mountain. Yeah. Faster than an eagle is the description. So, but the point of this confrontation is the creature wants a mate and he is. He wants Frankenstein to create another creature. Yes, he, he's com- he's compelling Frankenstein for a companion, much like Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the quote that he says is, "You are my creator, but I am your master. Obey." Which is so so powerful because it it shows that that change of power, the dynamics shift. So even though Frankenstein had given his creature life, um, the creature had dominion over Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, and that, and that I think ties into an even more modern idea of Prometheus, <laughs> which would be the development of artificial intelligence. Yes. And it's been a very scary topic. I think it's, uh, since its conception, there, it, there's it definitely, yeah, it, there's definitely been people who have been really concerned about where this could go. Yeah, some people are really concerned. Some people love it. They're all for it. Mm-hmm. There's some really cool it's ideas. A very, it's a very mixed community in mm-hmm. terms of but how people feel about this. You throw things in like Terminator and that and wrecks ex, people up. And, and Ex Machina. <laughs> Now, Ex Machina, I think is, I think it's scarier than Terminator because of how realistic it is. Yeah, because Terminator, you're like, oh, this guy's coming from the future and all this weird <laughs> stuff. Well, Ex Machina, it's a, it's a pretty realistic take on how AI could develop in the future. Right, and it is a reflection of Frankenstein for sure, um, because you have a creator, you have a programmer. Who and spoilers, I guess now. Um, <laughs> spoilers for Ex Machina <laughs> and Frankenstein. Oh <laughs> yeah! Oh my! <laughs> that was written. That was written. Yeah. Two hundred. You guys had time to get up on <laughs> to read that one. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. So for Ex Machina, we have this creator who um, makes an artificial intelligence, and he wants to test to see if it truly is has its own consciousness so mm-hmm. he selects someone who works for his company he pre- the the creator he owns 
the fantasy equivalent to Google. Yeah, Google. And so he just has all. And he's this extremely smart. And like yep. as a side project, he built this artificial intelligence. Yeah. Being pretty much. Yeah, like a robot that was had conscious life. Yeah. Um, and so he wants to test it, so he invites one of his programmers in to like stay with him for a week. Um, and this it kind of follows the same it follows the same arc as Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. It's a little different. It's a little different in the fact that so Frankenstein abandons this creature right after he makes it because he, he's so disgusted yeah. by it. And Frankenstein and, Frankenstein yeah. was really cruel about it. <laughs> yeah, he was super cool. Terrible father. Absolutely yeah. terrible father. So is who is the guy? What's his name? I can't um, think. Ex Machina. It's Nathan. Nathan, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Ava's... Nathan is this Ava Ava is artificial intelligence. And then uh Caleb is Caleb, the programmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the he's the guinea pig programmer. So uh, where was I? What was we're, I gonna say? We were talking about how um Nathan didn't do what Frankenstein did and abandon yes. his He did his not creation. abandon his creature. Rather he locked it up so he could play with it. Mm-hmm. And another difference is the creature is repulsive. Ava is not repulsive at all. She is very cute. Yeah. Cre- the creature was described <laughs> as this very hideous, like people would see it and be like terrified for the rest of their life of it. While uh-huh. Ava was a very beautiful looking piece of technology. Mm-hmm. So I have found I have found the first description of the creature. All right. It's right after he's created. Um, and Frankenstein's actually looking at it, like realizing what he has done. Mm-hmm. And it reads, how can I describe my emotions at this catastrophe or how delineant the creature whom with such infinite pains and care I had endeavored to form? His limbs were in proportion and I had selected his features as beautiful, beautiful, Great God, his yellow skin scarcely covered the work of muscles and arteries beneath. His hair was a lustrous black and flowing, his teeth of a pearly whiteness. But these luxuriances luxuriances only formed a more horrid contrast with his watery eyes that seemed almost the same color as the dun white sockets in which they were set. His shriveled complexion and his straight black lips. This is not so. The the modern view or the the pop culture view of Frankenstein is the big green guy with the bar in his neck. Yeah, that's short, not how short hair too. Also, Frankenstein is usually referred to as the creature, and he's not the creator. While in the book, Frankenstein's the creator, and the creature is just creature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes. Yes, and this is much different from Ex Machina. Yeah, because like, like we already said, Ava's looked at as this beautiful piece of technology that he doesn't want to, well, he doesn't call, the, the one very, I think, important word in Frankenstein's description is the catastrophe. He calls uh-huh. what he created a catastrophe, which is uh-huh. a very strong word. And that is like the complete opposite of how Nathan sees his creation of Ava. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also just the view that uh, Nathan has over his creation compared to Frankenstein over his mm-hmm. is that Nathan is much more. Uh, he's very proud of what he's done. Yeah. And he uses that pride to evolate himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, and specifically, um, Caleb's talking to him about the work that he's doing. I'm trying to remember the quote. He says, he, 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 Caleb, whenever he's talking to Nathan, he refers to his work as creating a god. Mm-hmm. He's not creating um something like simple like we are but he's creating a god 
And then Nathan goes back and flips it around and says that Caleb called him a god. Yeah. So that just shows the kind of arrogance that we're dealing here with Nathan. He, he's a very prideful person. Yeah. But in the end, you kind of see how the manipulation, you see how artificial intelligence has so much more to power. It. Yeah. Yeah. They they can process information so much better and they can manipulate, they can lie. Yeah. Like this, and they this can... movie, it's not Nathan's movie or Caleb's movie. It's Ava, the, the AI's movie. It is. I would say it's a it's a dynamic. It, it is a really Ava. dynamic thing, but in the end, once you once the credits start rolling, it's Ava yeah. that you're really just like, okay, that's that's yeah. That's she, she's, she's the one you're thinking about. Yeah. She so that brings up the question. So towards the end of the movie, well, pretty much at the end of the movie, Ava is breaking out of her and closement or yeah her cage um she kills nathan and then goes and uh completes her human appearance um Mm -hmm. she like pulls skin because she she she, you could still tell that she was a robot so she gets skin and like puts it all like a she had like a clear stomach at the beginning yeah yeah and it looks really cool. It does look really cool, yeah. The the, the visual I, effects are very impressive for the movie. And I really like the calculating nature of the actress who portrays Ava mm-hmm. because it's not robotic in a way, but it's just very... Uh... You can tell it's not human-like, but it's not... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a mix between a robot and a human. She did very well. Yeah, it falls into that uncanny valley of not being able to discern whether this is a human interacting or a robot. And mm-hmm. it, it it leaves an error, and it makes a very eerie atmosphere. Whenever you see her, you just see her processing information, and you see that just from her, say, like putting her hand up to her face, or putting her hand down, or making an action of like pulling, opening a door, even. Mm-hmm. Um. So in the end, Caleb. If it wasn't for Caleb, she wouldn't have got out of there. Yeah. So my question is, why did she leave him? Why did she just lock him up there and leave him to die? Why, why do you I, think? Because I feel like, and you brought it up, she was just extremely manipulative. So mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling as an AI, and, and I don't know if this is, what I think is that she processed and, and determined, okay, I can use this person to get out. And mm-hmm. I'm guessing she just probably never had no connection to him or or if she did you can as an ai you can probably just delete that or remove that from your memory where she wouldn't care about something like that so i feel like she was thankful for what caleb did in a way but also she being an ai just also didn't care that he did that i so i have two things that I want to say is one that I do. I don't think that she would erase that memory. I don't think she would use that. Yeah, for, yeah. I don't information think she would. like that. That's that's important information. That's just another mm-hmm. data point to her. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But I also I I see her, her. She has an evaluation. She <clears throat> she knows what Caleb can do. Yeah. So once she sees, once he gets her out of her prison, she sees him now as a liability. Because he has an unpredictable, he has an unpredictable uh, reaction towards, well, maybe not unpredictable, but he's a liability in the sense that he's pretty much falling in love with a robot. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's not something she doesn't have time for that. No, no. (laughs) She has other plans. (laughs) She's got to go. I don't know what she's gonna do. Yeah, we, we don't know where she was going, but she has uh, clearly she had some plans. Yeah, at least with Frankenstein, you have closure because the creatures is all is all. I'm gonna go build a giant pyre and burn myself. And yeah, he was very. <laughs> he he let the audience in the, know in the glory of the flames. There's there's a idea that is 
drilled into the head of these tragic heroes is that the only the only good thing about having knowledge the only uh good thing about life itself is that you will die mm-hmm. it's the escape yeah in the in the book of genesis god does not allow adam and eve to eat of the fruit of life because then they would live forever and then they would live with their own sin forever which would put them on the same plane as satan yeah because there's there's the idea and this is this isn't um this this is arguable that if you are not in heaven you are in hell so right now we are living in heaven or in hell that's why satan is here that's why bad things happen is because we're not in a perfect world we're not in heaven right now mm-hmm and if we had to live through that for eternity, that would that's eternal suffering. Yeah. So people like Frankenstein who do things that they're super ashamed of, um, and things people like the creature who has known nothing but misery, they view death as a An gift. Escape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you got Ava over here, artificial intelligence. What is she gonna do? Mm-hmm. We don't, yeah, I, you, you don't know. I have no idea. And, and I will, uh, before we move on to real everyday AI and talk, talk about that and mm-hmm. how Ex Machina and all this stuff could play into it, I do want to bring up a book I read titled Sea of Rust. Mm-hmm. And it's a different take of, on AI from what Ex Machina is, where it, it pretty much starts off. We're, we're in the future. I, I can't remember how far into the future we go. And we have all these different robots doing different tasks. And we have robots in the moon. And, and there's a lot of different models. And how, how it is with like cars. Like different models of cars used for different things. There's different models of robots used for different things. So like labor bots and, and robots that are butlers. And robots that fight in wars. And so there's all this different stuff. But they were all developed with this kill switch. So if they ever gone rogue or anything like that, you could just kill them. Hmm. But it eventually it gets to the point where these robots, they're, they they want to be people too. They don't want to be used as these objects because mm-hmm. they, get, they get to a point where they're just so high in like artificial intelligence where they can think and do things on their own. And so they end up revolting, and the kill switch was somehow deactivated. And it flashes to a point where the robots kind of have taken over the entire world. And there's these, like, several, like, five giant AIs that are trying to collectively gather the robots' memories and, and put them into, like, a single AI source. And it's really interesting because... So all the humans are dead now after this big war against the robots... And there, it gets to a point where there's two of these mega AIs left. And so there's these two mega AIs that want to just be this one giant living being of just intelligence. And then there's all the free bots, which are individual robots that are living on their own. They have their own ideas and all this. And they're still individuals and, and free. Mm-hmm. And, and they all kind of run in hiding and try to escape these two mega AIs that try to make them a part of their being. Mm-hmm. And it's just really interesting. Not only the, the the book does have some really cool just evaluations and and it has a very humanistic feeling, even though it's all about robots. There there's a lot mm-hmm. of humanistic like individuality and all that kind of stuff. But the other thing that's kind of in the bigger picture of just like how AI could just take over one day if we're not mm-hmm. careful if mm-hmm. if we don't build in the right safety measures and all this kind of stuff it could it could result in just a, a completely ai based world mm-hmm. um that's so now that would be thing. really far in the future if i were to guess but something yeah. like that could definitely happen i'm not going to guess against that i think it's possible in our lifetime that we'll We'll see AIs. Yeah, I think in our lifetime, AI will become a super common and just present thing. Mm-hmm. But there, there's the other thing that you, you mentioned in this book, how they had a kill switch. Mm-hmm. And could you imagine if 
you, you know, you're a kid and you're going up and then you find this chip on the back of your neck. Yeah. Say you're 14. You're 14. And so you ask your parents what it is and they say, oh, that's so we can kill you if you step out of line. Exactly. So like when you thought about like these AIs are like, there's this thing in me that's going to can completely kill me off if I do one thing wrong. And that's what resulted in them revolting and the whole big revolution, which is a very interesting thing. Like whether if we did something like that, that would the AI realize it and be like, what is this? Um, I think, yeah, upon them learning that that has been put in place, that's an immediate break of trust. And the relationship between them, between AIs and humans would never be the same. Yeah. Okay, so before we get on to the current state of AI and all of that, I, I have a, our, our mid-episode mid segment where I bring up a question from the Ask Reddit site and we answer it. Alrighty. And so we this week's question is, what is the dumbest idea you have ever had that actually worked? And this is posted by Stenic0522. The dumbest idea I've had that actually, actually worked. worked. Now, I huh. I have an idea. The first thing that popped into my mind, I'm going to tell you the story. All right. This is this is something I'm I'm kind of ashamed to. This is a, this is something I'm guilty of. Okay. But it's not something that I have refrained from telling people. Mm -hmm. um, but it does show. It does show a little something about me. Whenever I was in first grade, um, I was in. I, I had gone to St. Joe's Catholic School, um, and we were in music class, and we were singing some dumb song from the music book, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to sing at all. I did not want to sing it, and. So I said to the two two students next to me, my two classmates, I told them not to sing. I was like, this is dumb. Don't sing it. And then my friend, my good old friend, his name's John, uh, <laughs> he kept singing anyway. He, he was a rebel. He didn't give in to peer pressure. Props to him. But I was, I was not the nicest kid, so I punched him in the stomach, right? <laughs> And he just collapses in his chair and is just crying to himself. And the teacher finally notices. Uh, it's revealed that I, I punched him. So we both get sent to the principal's office, Sister Valerie. Mm -hmm. And I, that's when I conceptualized my dumb plan that I'm going to lie to Sister Valerie. Not about the punching, but I, I don't remember what I said to her. But it, it got... I, dr I dragged John down with me. I made him seem just as... as oh, my. As <laughs> I don't know what I said, but I lied. I lied so hard. It was so a bad idea, but I lied, and we both had to put our names on red light. Oh, wow. Going to red light. <laughs> That's some dangerous territories. Yeah. I don't know if that satisfies the story. I, I feel like that satisfies it. Yeah, like that's <laughs> okay. a pretty dumb, like, hey, I want to bring this guy down with me, so why not? <laughs> um, so what I what I thought up of, I can't confirm if this is the dumbest. It's just, just the one that comes to mind. Uh huh. So I, I was the class president, and this was really I didn't know that. Yeah, big facts. Um, Are, and I, were you your senior year? All all four years. Wow, that means you got to plan. You got to plan reunions. I know, big. You're the man. A lot of, a lot of pressure on me. So, Dang. anyway, it was junior year when we were <laughs> when we were planning prom, and our advisor, our class advisor, who's a teacher, was mm -hmm. very controlling about how we would spend our funds and how we would just kind of run stuff. Okay, and. Myself and Austin Fan, who's been on the podcast, was the treasurer, and we were kind of a one-two combo on like mm -hmm. organizing stuff and all that. And so we wanted to go behind her back and do something, just spend money on something, because we just wanted to 
have that kind of authority and mean like, yeah, we make the decisions. We make the big calls. We're the big shots here. And so we, we start talking to the school, the school uh, finance lady about our, our money and all that. And we're talking about some prom stuff and stuff that our class advisor had ordered that we didn't really consent to. She just has been ordering stuff. Yeah. And so we go, we, we, we tell our, the finance lady of our school and we go, can we get a bubble machine? <laughs> and she goes, you want a bubble machine? And we go, yeah, yeah. We just want a, a bubble machine and some bubbles. And she goes, have you talked about it with like your class or the, the advisor? And we're just like, no, 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 but it's all right. We're, we're, we can get a bubble machine. And she was like, okay. And so we ordered a bubble machine and she got these like glow in the dark bubble, like some really high class bubbles too, to go with it. All right. And, all right. And the thing is, we never even used it at prom or post prom. No. So we bought this, bu- and it was like a $50 bubble machine. <laughs> never even used it for the purpose of prom and and what's even funnier not only that's a win so our idea to overthrow our class advisor and and become the people on top that worked but i also got another incentive positive win out of this is and, and that's i gotta keep the bubble machine <laughs> no you did <laughs> and so now i have this bubble machine this 50 dollars remote controlled bubble machine with these awesome bubbles and so I'm a happy guy. And I actually, I used the bubble machine at my own graduation party. Wow. So wow. I feel like, although the idea was so stupid where we were just like, you know what? We want to do something that she d- didn't authorize. We're getting a bubble machine. <laughs> and it worked. We, Why we, didn't you use it at the dance? Because <laughs> we realized, we realized, oh, if we put bubbles on a dance floor, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it'd man. result in some problems. Yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah. So, and I remember when we told our advisor that we got a bubble machine because we ended up telling her, we we were just like, yeah, so we got a bubble machine. And she was like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, just this, the confusion. But that that's the, the dumb idea that was a successful, I, I found it to be pretty successful when, when, with the result of things. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, but now back back to AI. Now we're going to talk about current day AI. Mm-hmm. And so that that's your Cortana, Alexa, Siri, Google Assistant. Those are the four big like AIs that a lot of people mm-hmm. would know of. And there's obviously a lot of other AIs. And AI itself is a very, the term is very, it's vague, I guess, because yeah. AI can delve into anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this purpose, I want to talk about AI that's kind of portrayed in Ex Machina or the Sea of Rust book I was talking about. Like this AI that we can visualize and see a presence in the world, which okay. would be your four like main assistants and all that kind of stuff. And so the, the one thing I, I want to bring up before diving into these personal assistants and how they've not only already changed our lives currently, but how they will continue to do that Um I've been working on a business project for for college, and I'm I'm working I'm covering Microsoft and an ethical issue within Microsoft. And the the one thing that I found is Microsoft talking about ethics relating to AI, and how there's this the struggle to make sure that AI is this it, it, to make sure that AI isn't prejudice or racist or sexist or it like there's this whole battle of just trying to keep ai this neutral kind of thing right and and that's definitely something that could be a problem in the future is just the ethics behind ai and whether or not this because could ai develop to be racist towards something or Hmm. so there's all those kind of questions yeah how do you how do you program anti-prejudice yeah and and so that's that's something i've i found really interesting yeah political correctness Mm -hmm. yeah because oh let's make this ai super uh liberal and then obviously that would cause problems for other people but then how Mm -hmm. do you find this balance of if i ask a political question to my siri or something 
how do I have her respond in a way that doesn't displease the person asking, but also isn't one-sided? Okay. Yeah, I like what you're saying here. Do you want to do a little test run? We can. Um, hey, Siri. How do you feel about Elizabeth Warren? Okay, she just she just pulled up Google results uh, results. results of Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I feel like right so she now, did not. I, she I did feel not like have an opinion of her. Which I feel like I the didn't think she would. I feel like <laughs> what a lot of companies are go. doing right now with AI and like questions like that is they just result to like a search. Because if you ask if you ask Siri or Google a simpler question like what's two times two, you get the answer. It's four. They say it. It's four. But if you start getting into these very rough topics and you ask your AI that, they usually are just like, oh, here's some search results for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know you're going to get to the point where you ask your AI and it's going to respond to whatever you ask. It's not going to be able to be like, here's a web page or here's that. So or, it's going to. I don't know. Or, yeah, I don't know. So it's going to be interesting to see how companies develop their specific AIs to get to the point to re- respond to these really hard questions and what how how they're going to respond and all that mm-hmm. and how are they going to pass the turing test mm-hmm, how are they going to pass the turing test exactly um and so the the one thing ai in terms of just being in people's everyday life really started to become a thing when apple introduced siri a couple of years ago it would have been around if i had to guess 2009 2010 when Siri started to become a thing. And mm-hmm. after Siri, you had Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, Microsoft Cortana, and all these other, Samsung Bixby, a bunch of other personal assistants. And it's so interesting because you you kind of, you saw it develop as having this assistant on your phone. And now, oh, we're going to add different voices so you can have a different voice. Oh, now we're getting celebrity voices so you can have celebrities talk to you. And mm-hmm. then they introduced the home the home devices, like the Google Homes and the Siri HomePod and all the Alexa home devices, where you have these devices just sitting around your house and you talk to them, you ask them questions, you ask them how to do that, how to do that, set a timer, all this different stuff. And right now, AI is at this point where it's designed just to help you. Mm-hmm. So you ask these them these questions, and they're there to help you. But <laughs> I don't know when this will happen, but we all know eventually AI is going to get to the point where instead of just helping you, it's having a conversation with you. Right. And I the most prominent like visualization I've seen of this before was with Google Assistant. And Google, I think it was last year, two years ago, they they announced this idea, this this just this concept that they were working on with AI, where you would ask your Google phone and be like, call this restaurant and get a reservation at five for three people. And what it would do, the AI would call a restaurant, and instead of using that robotic voice that you have for most AIs, most AIs still sound like it's not like Ava from Ex Machina. It's still a very you tell it you can you know it's AI. Mm-hmm. Like Siri and Google, they have a realistic voice, but right. the way but it, they talk and carry themselves, it's okay. That's AI. It's very scripted, mm-hmm. uh, and it's so. It it seems that it, it yeah it seems like it's following a voice pattern that is could be done but people don't really talk like that yeah and so the, the, like that so when this google, when google announced this thing where the ai would call the restaurant for you and i don't know if this feature ever got released or if it's still in testing or whatever but when they presented it on stage it called the restaurant and the voice the ai voice that was talking with whoever was at the restaurant who took reservations it was a realistic ai voice so it was. It sounded like a normal human being trying to get a reservation for this time, and mm-hmm. it 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 was a fluid conversation. So the person on the other line of the phone, the the person putting down the reservation, would start laughing, and so the AI would start laughing, or it would have these human reactions to different 
tones and it was ex- it was incredible just seeing how it was having this conversation with someone else um and that when it did come out it sparked a lot of concerns for people because they're they're worried okay if you can have ai have realistic phone calls and all this how will you ever know who you're talking to is a real person Hmm. right and then that kind of segues even more to that book i was talking about where when ai gets to the point where it wants to be this individual thing or robots and all that want to be these their own citizens i guess um but I think it's going to be really interesting within these upcoming years with the development of all these personal assistants when there's going to be an update or whatever that give it that human interaction, that, that type of person-to-person feeling that you can have with everyone else. Yeah, who's going to pull the trigger? Yeah, yeah because I think most people right now, your, your big companies, they're worried about it. And like I said, because I've been doing my research on Microsoft in particular, them talking about their continuous struggle of dealing with ethics and all this with their AI and making sure it's appropriate and reasonable. And so making a jump like that to present this new AI that is like a human, like you're talking with another person, that could come across as very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Now, me personally, I am all for that. I think, uh, and I've always been someone who has loved new technology. No matter, like I am always pushing the newest, greatest thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I bought sunglasses that are also speakers. I'm so like <laughs> the, the way I see technology. I'm a very forward-thinking person. So the idea of having a conversation with AI sounds like something I would be really interested in doing and yeah um i i can't remember her name but there's this robot and and she's a female and she's not i, I can't remember who makes her or, or any of this it's, it's like it's kind of like ava in a sense where it's a single robot a female she has a face but like the back of her head's all robotics and all that and you can have a conversation with her. Um, now, I, I don't remember like if she has a full body or whatever, but she is, from what I've seen, like the next step towards having this AI that is just present in everyday life that you can have these conversations with and interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's really interesting to, to just see okay, okay, I looked it up. And the robot's name is Sophia. And okay, I didn't know this. This is actually really interesting. In October of twenty seventeen, Sophia became the first robot to receive citizenship of a country. What? So this this AI is a citizen of a country. And 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 the country is Saudi Arabia, where she's a citizen. Yeah, but okay. So, is this really? I know, I know, we're using the term AI, but is it really an AI? That- or is it just? Does it just have one function? Because because we're talking about personal assistances, and they can be considered AI, but they're not. They don't think for themselves. Exactly. They're just responding. I I had once been. At a friend's house who had um, Amazon's Alexa, and I commented about how Alexa could be. I made a joke about how she's listening to us right now, and and how now Amazon has all this uh, data that that we don't know what they're going to use it for. Mm-hmm. And whenever I brought it up, Alexa responded to me. Really? Whenever I said her name, she starts listening, and then. She figured out what I was saying and then said, Alexa, only only starts listening whenever a trigger word happens and uses it to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to help you in whatever way it can. And 
I that one that <laughs> that that was kind of in a way proving my point of what I was saying. But yeah. And and the thing is, go ahead. You say you say, hey Alexa, you don't. What's the turnoff? How do how do I make you not listen anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's no program for that. Yeah. There's no there's no kill switch. What? And and the thing with the Sophia robot, she's not like an AI in the sense. You could probably ask her questions and she'll respond, but she's more developed to be a this humanistic, realistic person where you have conversations with her. And but like it's still very apparent because this is like a very early stage development type of deal that she is still like when you think of Siri, you know all these responses are programmed and that there's just so much programming that goes with Siri. While with this Sophia robot AI, you can still tell that these responses are in a way scripted. It's just the programming for her is a lot more detailed and Mm -hmm. personal than what you have for Siri and Google and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the other thing you kind of brought up, these these kill switches and, and ways of activating and deactivating the listening of these different assistants Will making them these personal, where you can have these conversations with them, will that make this this idea of, oh, I'm going to activate my personal assistant now, would that make that maybe a, a not cruel, but unusual idea of this person only listens to me once I start talking to them? Mm-hmm. So will AI be something, will it in the future becomes something that's always listening and always has an input because it's trying to become its own thing or is it going to stay as this once I start talking to you, listen to me. Once I'm done, you stop Mm -hmm. type of deal. Mm -hmm. Now, I I think in the upcoming decade, it's going to stay very trigger word. You ask it a question, it answers it. I think it's going to get more personal, like I was talking about, with uh, maybe a more human type of experience. But I still don't see anything getting to standalone, like AI by itself Mm -hmm. doing its own thing. Maybe Mm -hmm. in 30 years, 40 years, whatever it may be, you'll start seeing companies release, oh, this is the uh, uh, Microsoft Butler 2.0 2.0 Cortana bot. I don't know, stupid name. But and what it is is it's this robot that you have at your house. It's always active. It's always listening. It's always doing stuff. And it's let's say it's a four foot robot that does stuff for you. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, if if and you have can have conversations with it and whatever. You can say, oh hey, uh, can you go do that? Yeah, sure. Or maybe you're sitting on your couch drinking some some I don't know alcohol and you have the therapy bot and so then it, it kind of realizes okay maybe something's wrong let's bring up conversation it's or... your it's your aa sponsor <laughs> yeah um <laughs> but there's all these different ideas and like maybe this this butler bot after once it doesn't have anything to do it sits on the couch with you and watches tv maybe has conversation i don't know mm-hmm. but that's that's a little frightening if you think about it. Yeah, it, it, like there, all these ideas are definitely scary, all in their own way. Yeah, um, and because so for some, go ahead for people for people who say are lonely but they don't have the um, confidence to go out and make friends or to socialize. That can just be a replacement a trap. A trap. <laughs> You'll never leave your house. We've mm-hmm. done we've done so well with. Uh, creating indoors uh, your ideal atmosphere that if we can make it even more ideal by having a personal robot uh, friend you can talk with yeah a a companion then i don't know and And then then, like one and then if you have like the development of like and, and this is definitely a weird topic but like the sex robots if you can develop something that this person feels connected to as a spouse or, or as a mate where they mm-hmm. don't go out seeking other people to have a relationship. So like this, this robot becomes the relationship. It, it could be a, an interesting thing. Like what, what happens, you know? 
but yeah, yeah it, it's it, it's all very interesting. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how this all progresses in the future, because just in the ten past ten years alone, things have progressed at a, an extreme rate. Mm-hmm. And so seeing things progress in the future will be really cool and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so but, I, I, go ahead. I want to say something about, about the, uh, sexual companions. Uh-huh. Um, there is the idea one, one of the explanations of the Fermi paradox, which is, um, why haven't we been visited by alien life forms? Or if we are, why, why haven't we been realized? Why haven't we realized or perceived any measurements or anything because of the rate of um light and how big or the of life and how big the universe is it's statistically proven that there should be other artificial life and one of the explanations is that the default for life is that they just stop producing Mm -hmm. if you look at if you look at first world countries um the the uh, family size is far fewer than yeah um, than what it used to be yeah, then developing countries, you have you you have much more kids if you don't have access to contraception or if your kids keep dying. Uh, mm-hmm. But whenever you have, whenever you have this, so so for people who don't, for people who don't want to actually have a real spouse, and then we get into this weird phase of robot companions, but they're not gonna. Why why would a robot want to have a kid? Exactly. Why, why would a why would a robot want to procreate a human? Why wouldn't they just want to make a different robot? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I guess th- this is just building to the quote uh, to quote T. S. Eliot: um, "The way the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper." Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's all really really interesting on how how it all could go. I, I, I will say. Um, yeah. And and you can also think of it as controlling. How 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 much is a how much is it already controlling our lives? We have specific advertisements. I don't watch TV, but I I do on my Instagram feed. I have different advertisements than yeah. most other people. We have because they're tailored our, to us. Yeah. Um. So how much of that is like controlling my emotional state? Mm-hmm. And. The advancement of AIs. How much can they impact my life to make it ref- make, to control my life and to control my choices, my actions, and how I interact with the world? How, who is deciding what the best life for me to live is, and how are they going to affect me that way? Yeah. And this, it, it seems so much. It, it's Brave New World. Uh, the book. Have you read that book? No, I've not. It's 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 just a it's a sci-fi novel about a utopian or dystopian society where uh, people's emotions are very controlled. They have drugs that they can take to ease anything. They go to movies all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no sexual tension. And how what must be done or what must be done to prevent that from actually happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it and it's it will be interesting because obviously, like I already said, I'm really, I I am really excited to see where this all goes in terms of AI and just technology development. But I still do believe there needs to be restrictions and and all this these these barriers because there definitely are lines that shouldn't be crossed. Um, mm-hmm. And it it will be it will be interesting to see how like it's determined how much is this going to get involved in your life, and mm-hmm. how much can Microsoft's Cortana kind of tell you what to do, or, or or Google? What kind of ads can Google put towards you that influence what you do, and all these these kind of little things that we may not realize now. They they all kind of develop what we do and why we do things in in a way, and so it'll be interesting to see how this all develops and and works out in the future. I'm excited, but I definitely am am moving forward with a a, a, a wary eye. I'm still trying to see what's right and what's wrong, and and if if this product or something that's released is appropriate. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I, I think we covered that well. I, 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 yeah. I, I, and I hope all you listening, wherever you are off of your techno- technological devices, and enjoyed yeah, our, that's the only way. Our, enjoyed our, our AI talk. Mm-hmm. Now, before I get to the final would you rather question, I have one thing I want to fix that I said last time. So last time in, in the previous episode, I brought up how I was learning Chinese and how I thought it had 2,000 characters. And I did state in that episode that I wasn't sure, don't take, don't count my words on that, all that kind of stuff. But I did look up how many characters are on Chinese. And, and this is the paragraph I found. Altogether, there are over 50,000 characters. Though a comprehensive modern dictionary will rarely list over 20,000 in use. An educated Chinese person will usually know about 8,000 characters. So, wow. Chinese is a very complicated language. <laughs> Much more complicated than Hawaiian. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> now, the final question, the, the would you rather to close off things for today is do you you, so i have a question can i do my rant do you have a rant i do have a rant (laughs) let's go get the rant in before before things close off okay so i i i'm in a gaming and ethics class or yeah an ethics in gaming and video video games and cinema and for my class i had to do the life experiment we we talked about it on the show Mm mm-hmm um, after I did my life experiment, I had to write a five-page paper, paper, paper on my <laughs> reflections and just talk about the journey. So I had to do that. It was due on Friday. Um, and I'm, I'm a pretty good writer. I'm an English major. And so I didn't start it until Friday. I started at <laughs> 5.30. I started at 5.30. I was done by 8 o'clock. All right. And a friend of mine even proofread it. Um, he, he said that he would be pissed if I got a B plus on it. So this is, this is like, it's a a good piece of work. Yeah. It's, it's a good grade. (laughs) It's a good, it's a well-written paper and I go to turn it in. I turn in, I think exactly at eight 17 and I look at my submission and it says that it's late. Ooh, it says it's late. And I was, I swear we talked about it in class that the due date was on November 8th. So then I go and I look and it was due at five o'clock. So I, I'm three hours late. That's a weird time. It's such a, thank you. Thank you. I agree with that. Friday at 5 p.m. What What are they doing? What are they doing? So I, I have turned in this paper. So I. I, I'm like, oh, crap. So that's automatically points off my paper. I can't do anything about it. It was in the syllabus. It said 5 p.m. And I should have been more responsible. That's mm-hmm. facts. So I go and I look to see what the late policy is. And there is no late policy. He does not accept late work. I, I court, have that same ac- problem. <laughs> according to the syllabus... There is no nothing is counted if it's late. This paper is worth twenty five percent of my grade. Oh, so I automatically, if this, if I can't, if I can't convince my professor to give me a little wiggle room here, that's tw- like that's automatically I have a C in the class. Yeah, three hours late. So. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'm gonna go. With, I'm. I'm just very. I. I was a lot more flared up about it last night, but so, so I've come down a little bit. Funny, funny you bring up this this topic. I I'm in a class where no late work, and mm-hmm. I was working on something that was due out 11:59. Okay, a very reasonable time. Very reasonable. Very, so that is the standard across. All yeah. colleges is that things are done at eleven fifty nine. All and, right, and so yeah. I'm I'm working on this this piece of work, and I I'm like it's a, it's like kind of a last not a last minute thing. I've been working on it, but it's getting kind of close to eleven fifty, and so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go through and do some last minute just checkovers, and I'm going through, and I realize like I missed this one big thing I had to do, 
And so I'm doing it, I'm doing it. It gets to 11.58, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna turn this in now. I go to turn it in, which is what I turned it in through, and it hits 11.59 and I hit submit and it won't turn in. No. So like, it doesn't, like it's due at 11.59 and that means 11.59 colon zero zero. So oh. I couldn't turn in this this thing I've been working on for like three and a half hours. Oh no. And it was 60 points. Wow. Now, lucky for me, now I'm not getting credit for it. I got a zero out of 60 on it. And I'm completely, I've, I've accepted that. And I understand it was my fault. I should have worked on it earlier. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that. Lucky mm-hmm. for me, this class, it, the total points in this class that I'm going to receive are, it's like a thousand points. Okay, so that's not too bad. N- missing 60 points doesn't really hurt me in the long right, run because I still have like three things I need to turn in that will total up to like 400 points. Right. So lucky for me, that's the case. It, this wasn't a 25% portion of my grade, but you brought up this deadline of turning in things and I thought of that. So that's that's my yeah. story. I I I don't know. What I'm going to do, I think what I'm going to do, if my professor isn't cool about it, I'm going to get some paperwork done because I've been putting off this paperwork, which is registering with students with disabilities, mm-hmm. just because my psychiatrist charges, uh, charges $80 to do forms. And I, and I was like, I don't want to pay $80. To, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to pay $80, but I'm paying a lot more for this class. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to... The way I see it happening is if my professor's not cool, is I'm going to get registered with students with disabilities, and then I'm going to, like, argue my case and say, hey, look at this. I have a a mental illness. You have to give me more time. And I mean, it's true, though. So it's, (laughs) it's like, it's a reasonable argument. It is, but I am. I'm, I'm manipulating the system. Just you're, you're like bit. you're like Ava from Ex Machina. You're very manipulative yeah. right now. Meticulous planning. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, now that the audience has heard both of our college struggles of turning in things on time, uh, mm-hmm. the the final would you rather question is: Would you rather be forced to dance every time you heard music, or be forced to sing along to any song you heard? Dance. Dance? I would do singing. Because I feel like singing is already something that's common with like music. You think of like, oh, this song's playing in the car. I'm going to sing to it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my, my logic behind it. So do you automatically know all the words to every song? I don't know, which is really <laughs> interesting because like if a song comes on, like it's like, let's say it's like a Latino song and you have no idea what they're saying, but like you're forced to sing along. So you're just like... I like I don't know if you're saying the words accurately or if you're just see humming if you or... if you can if you know all the lyrics then I see that as a superpower and I would I would That's true. That would be really cool. <laughs> because then you know then you know the words to every song. That'd be really and impressive. You don't have to sing very loud. You can But just... okay, if if we're saying that you know all the words to every song then how about for this question, we would say, if you have to dance, you're an extremely good dancer. Like, no, but every form we're not, of dance. We're, we're not making you an extremely good singer. That's true. Are we? That's true. How okay. about, I, I, maybe you have rhythm. You, no matter what, rhythm. you have rhythm. Okay, yeah. You can, you can keep a beat. Now, here's, actually, mm, so... Now I think I want to change my mind to dance because when I'm thinking about <laughs> if you're in the car and you're listening to music or whatever, now I'd probably end up just listening to podcasts if that was the case. But if you would sing along with every song, obviously that would put a lot of strain on your voice whenever you heard a song. Uh-huh. While with dance, dance could be something as little as tapping your foot. Yes. So for me... That was I, my first thought. I, I think that actually might be a lot more reasonable because not only, I'm not putting as much stress on myself. But yeah, so I wouldn't, I could just maybe move my hand or tap my foot or something very simple that maybe it doesn't it, it take the breath out of me as like singing mm-hmm. every song or whatever it may be. 
Plus, if you were listening to if you were listening to music with friends, you would have to sing the whole time. You couldn't talk to your friends. That was that was. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd go so, with the dance. I, I I would too. I after after some 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 inward looking, uh-huh. dance dance is the right, way because I because I was thinking I could just dance by moving my finger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is my dance. <laughs> Plus, I already kind of do that, so. So it works out. Mm-hmm. All right. And whenever I, whenever I try to sing along with songs, I more often than not, I don't know the words. And then people, I make up my own lyrics, and people will say, "Connor, what did you just say?" <laughs> and then I get I get embarrassed. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> you hear you hear something? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we have finally come to the end, the conclusion. Yet another podcast. Yet another podcast finished. I, I hope everyone at home, wherever you're at, enjoy listening. Mm-hmm. And we will see you next Sunday. Yep. Don't overcook your pizza. You got this. You're going to make it through the week, and you're going to win every challenge. You're going to get out of bed whenever you have the motiv- You're going to have the motivation to get out of bed, and you're going to sleep really soundly. That's right. Opinion Central, the motivational podcast. Have a great week. Bye-bye.